This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Lake. You. Today at the round table of dim lighting, we're gonna be talking at each other and to each other. I'm certain that we'll listen to each other at times um, and respond. We're gonna go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I I, we have no you, clue. And you said, today instead of this week. I mean, I'm already listening to that. Right now. I just, I like it when you say this week on the at the round table of dim This lighting. week at the round table of dim there lighting. There you go. Rhett and Link are gonna talk at each other. I just, and I just spoke about us in the third person. I don't care what you say after you say it. I just, as long as you say <laughs> this week at the round table of dim lighting, everything is good for me. We have no clue, Mythical Beast, where, where this is gonna go because we're gonna release the rabbit it's gonna go down a hole, and the way we release the rabbit is we open this sealed envelope. It's actually got a piece of scotch tape, but we're gonna open that up and there's something that is a topic that one of you submitted. What makes it scotch tape? And we're, thought about that's that? a brand name. I know, but what makes them? Do and the, then we're gonna go. Is it scotch? Down that hole after the rabbit for as long as it takes to talk about what we need to talk about. Originally is what I'm saying. <sighs> Don't know. Is it from, because if something is Scottish, that's from the country of Scotland. Something something is Scotch, it's it's a drink. Well, if you're Scotch-Irish. If you're Scotch-Irish, which I am, but then you're of those places. You're of the British Isles. So exactly. did my people invent clear tape? I'd love to think so. Like your line? No. No, I don't think the, you got it in you, Adam. No, I'm sorry. Specifically, just my people as a as a people. Uh, or technically, they're your people too, because you did the 23andMe thing, and you're also from the British Isles. I mean, we're yep. probably cousins. Distant, distant. Um, so but, we're gonna do that. But before we do that, we're gonna just quickly let you guys know uh, about this: the impending you've caught travel us. extravaganza at an interesting time. For the past two weeks, we have been basically um, what I would say on, and by on, I mean working. You know, professionally participating in our professional participating profession um, every single day for we're probably going on three weeks now, but from either. Yeah, no no day that's not something happening. Making, on any given day, it's making Good Mythical Morning, being at the tour of mythicality or traveling to and fro across the country. And I got, I mean, I know you're on fumes and I'm on fumes too, man. I, yeah, I can't I mean, even say the expression right. I'm running on fumes. I'm very in touch with, you know, we talked about this, how, um, I'm beginning to be in touch with how my brain is just not working that great. You know, I'm very much in need of this holiday break. I'm super excited about um, just not having specific obligations of the professional variety for a number of weeks. So as we record this, I'm, you know, it's there's a palpable uh, expectation of Relaxation of just of just letting my brain just just sit for a second. But it's not over because tomorrow. Oh at, no, no, well, I, it's an expectation, and we're not in it. Yeah, certainly. As not. we record this again, and I'm not trying to gain any sort of points. No, no, I, and I'm, we're, just, I mean, I'm not complaining. It's just a weird. It's just an inter interesting time to just to try, explore, just to give verbally. you the reality. So, uh, we 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 basically shot. The, the last episode of Good Mythical Morning for the year mm -hmm. today. Tomorrow, we get on a plane, we go to Orlando. Friday, we have a show in Orlando, then we fly to Atlanta, we have two shows in Atlanta on Saturday, then we fly to Durham, North Carolina, we have a show on Sunday night in North Carolina. Homecoming that, show to wrap up the tour of mythicality. But then we don't come back home, no, 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 no. We then fly to New York City for Monday where we will be on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. So as of the release of this, if you're listening to this fresh tonight, we'll be talking with Mr. Fallon and then once again. We, then we wake up the next morning, get on a plane again, go across the country back to Los Angeles. Because the plan was when we did the Durham show. To stay. To stay there because our family would come with us and then we found out that 
they have to be in school until the following Friday. Yeah. So that plane got busted, we have to fly back. We stay home. Wait a few days and then fly days, all and back with fly them. all the way back with the fam to North Carolina. So I'm, I'm disappointed that our family can't be at our homecoming show. I mean, they've seen the show multiple times, but you know, to be there with family, we're like we're doing a pig picking with uh, family before but the, the show. the pig will have been fully picked by the time we eat it. They're yeah. Not, they're not bringing a, ho- a full hog head on hog. Of course we could probably request that. We could, it's not too late for us, but by the time you're listening to it, it's done. So you can't, you can't help us out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the it's the downward spiral into the holidays. But when you go, it's funny how the year just unravels at the end. But in years past, you've gone home. Like neither of us has a relaxing time. I, I but I do generally stay in the same place. We stay with uh, my sister in law the whole time that we're there. So I'm not. I'm going a lot of places, but every night I'm back in the same place. You're typically in multiple places, but isn't that changing this year? I, I've, I'm typically over the course of almost two weeks in seven different places. Yeah, that's like not, quite literally. That's not relaxing. I've become an itinerant uh, person. And you wanna give your best to and your that's, family. That's but tough, it is tough. Especially at the end of the year, you're just like, I got nothing. They're like, man, they went out there to Los Angeles and became zombies. Yeah. You I, know what I mean? I, I think it will, you know, I'm hoping it's. I'm going to have a refreshed attatitude towards seeing everybody. Towards and it, people, yeah. Towards towards people. Towards in just you know, you, you get together with family, and there's there's this dynamic, especially now when we only see them in person. Sometimes some of the family members once a year, and this is it, you know. But the thing about those family members is that they're not used to you living in their space, so it's difficult for them too. I mean. Uh, so it's difficult for everybody because I'm like, we should just get a hotel and then we can have a visit experience instead of like we're setting up shop with three kids. But the thing in is, your house is that both parties it's lot, and it's, feel it's, it's an, a lot of adjustment. Both parties feel an obligation to stay in the home because as a visitor, you're like, well, I feel like I should want to be here with you and then you're like I feel like I should want you to be here with us. Sure. But technically, but practically, technically, in practice, if you were in a hotel, both parties would be happier. But yeah. this is just the, this but is just the way humans work. Right. We have to do things that make us unhappy because we're trying to make each other happy. I'm staying in less places. So ironic. Because um my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law have a new place that uh, it's bigger and can a- accommodate our family. So we're gonna stay there uh, longer. But that doesn't mean we're not staying at my in-laws and my mama's house and maybe Nana's house, I don't because know. Pretty, they live pretty far distance. And then my, my dad's far. house, you know, and then he's got another place at the beach and he's going down there and it's like, well, am I gonna, how much am I gonna see before you go down to the beach? And, you know, it's, oh gosh, it's all this stuff. Well, what if it was like a Uncle, Ran- is Uncle Randy in Christmas vacation? Is that what Dennis Don't ask me. Uh, Randy, no, Randy Quaid plays Uncle, somebody looked that up. I don't know why I'm not remembering it, but he has, um, he has an RV. What if we had RVs that. Tight quarters in an RV, even with your fam. Stayed in North Carolina. You're like immediate family, that's tough. No, but then you're just like, I'll be out in the RV. I remember, you know, he's always talking about how he's gonna be out in the RV. You know, I think I understand. But the one thing that is different besides staying with my sister-in-law in her house now is, did I tell you that my dad called and said, we made a decision. Did I talk about this on Good Mythical More? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We made a decision this year, I just wanna let you know, I talked to your Aunt TC. We're not giving gifts <laughs> to each other this year. Uh, we, we made a decision. And uh, Cousin Eddie, is what Nikki is saying. Uh, yes, Cousin it, Eddie. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not familiar with the movie. I'm familiar with the movie, I just haven't seen the movie. You haven't I'm seen sorry. Christmas Vacation? I d- Why, watch it with I your know. family. No, 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 Good seriously. Gosh. That's a, It's a great thing to watch with your family. Totally. Is there nudity? There's usually like toplessness in those 80s vacation movies. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's, uh, the, I think that's the, first vacation. the first vacation. Christy Brinkley, or, uh, but I don't even think it's actual nudity. Maybe I'll Well, it's it not out. shown, but it's implied and it, it would be very awkward. I mean, it's just anatomy. Just, uh, you know, kids will get through it fast. They'll learn something. 
But I think kids cri- will get through it fast. Chris- they'll learn Christmas vacation. I mean, they sucked on the things when they came out of the womb. I mean, what's the problem with seeing some in a pool? I don't understand. But anyway, um, uh, the, do you uh, want me to answer that? Uh, the uh, but Christmas vacation is um, is is great. You w- watch it with your family. I watched it with my family. I don't remember anything inappropriate. Well, I'm I'm ashamed to say I've been so busy. We haven't even watched the greatest movie of all time for any time of year and any. <laughs> Time of Earth in the history of movies. Elf. Elf. It's the greatest, the best movie. It's the greatest Christmas it's, movie. It's my, it's my favorite movie of all time. It's okay. my. That's, I'm, that's, it wasn't until you started like burfing, but now that you're burfing, you know, you, you know, you it's said, my number one. Have you said that before, man? It's my number one. It's, a, it's, it's a, never a, been my number one until a, right it's now. It's a great movie. It's the I'm best tired Christmas of it. movie. I'm tired of you dogging it. It's not the best movie. I, I love the movie, but to say it's the best movie of all time. It is a perfect movie. Just means you haven't seen enough movies. <laughs> but you're gonna watch that. You should also do it. So the, we're not buying Christmas d- gifts for each other. Double feature. But we are still gonna get them for the kids. It's my dad talking. Oh, well that's nice. And I, and you know, cause there's like. You shouldn't care about that. It's like not for the adults, and it's like yeah, cause all cause what my dad said. You anyway? All we're gonna do is exchange money. I'm gonna give you money. You're gonna give me money. Yeah. And I'm like, Dad, you're a genius. And I get off the phone and I tell Christian, I'm like, we got big news. We're not getting each other presents at the Neil uh, Christmas this year. And she's like, I am so relieved. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many people that like we had no clue. I mean, what am I gonna get, Kurt? Like cousin Kurt. Like I don't know, like another. Well, you should still get your dad something, but don't get it. I mean, he's your dad. Well, I'm his son. He's not getting me anything, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna give him love, and my presence, and he's gonna get. And by presence, I mean with a C. Your physical presence, and being he's, there, and he's gonna give that back to me, and that's what it's. That's I re- what. That's I re- what is. That's better, man. I'm not gonna. I give him a Lowe's gift card. Well, he a, gives me money. Well, the problem is, is I've set this precedent with 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 my parents. Um, like last year, we got him like a uh, like a night at a really nice uh, bed and breakfast, and that that's got an amazing restaurant attached to it. And it's like a night at this restaurant, uh, a night at this bed and breakfast, and then this restaurant, and. Uh, you know, we kind of went all out, and it's like, but now you, once you do that, you got to keep. You got once you dip that deep, you got to dip that deep forever. Did they go to it? They loved it. Mm. Did they give you details? They called me and texted me while they were there. Oh, good. Are you trying to make it seem you? You don't think they went? <laughs> no, it's a place that we knew that they loved okay, good. and they had been. We we spent our first anniversary there. I think it's that's great. I, I guess I'm a I'm a I you know I don't love getting gifts because. I have this psychological thing about how much did this cost? How much, how much, you know, I just, I get tripped up with a lot of the gifts and it's just not my love language. So um, if, if everyone agrees. Yeah, I mean, if he, then it's if, like, if he, if he initiated Especially it. when you, when, when it's like now it's, you know, you enjoy seeing the kids open presents, but we just wanna be together and catch up. We only see each other once, twice a year now, so to like, to to relegate that to my dad trying on a button-up shirt that's way too big and then saying, this shirt's way too big. Is the receipt in here? Because yeah. my dad does not pull any punches. Well, don't, you don't, on, getting people clothes is always a mistake unless, yeah, but unless I, you know that specifically their size and the brand. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're, we're gonna get through this, this, uh, this weekend and stuff is gonna be, it's gonna be great wrap up to the tour of Mythicality, which was, um, a tremendously positive experience um, meeting so many mythical beasts and seeing so many faces in person. Um, we would do the tour, we would do the show, then we would have a Q&A and it's just very valuable. It's a um, experience for us to feel connected. But now that we've done that, okay. Well, and I think I'm it's gonna, a, I'm gonna go holiday it. And also it's the kind of thing that I think I would feel differently about, I, it's, been, I, it's been great while we're in the midst of it, but I would feel differently about it if it was the only thing that we were doing for like, oh, we took a month and we did this thing. Yeah, I think it's the mixing of so many different things that makes it difficult to keep up with. Uh, but let's, let's transition to the rabbit hole, but before that, for those of you who have not agreed with your family members that you're not gonna give gifts to each other, 
Uh, we have the perfect holiday gift. For any for person. anyone. Yes, you may think we're nuts and we are a little bit. We have developed a fragrance, Mythical Number no. Nine, comes in this handy dandy black and sparkling, cologne perfumey looking thing. Uh, it is a scent for all people. Yes, so this, men, women, this is children. This is a unisex fragrance that we formulated with our I'm friends at, at, I'm Beard, it right now. at Beard and Lady. So again, with everything that we do with our friends Lance and Lacey over at Beard and Lady, we start with this concept and then we start working it out and it took us, and then we get everybody involved here so we basically got all these different scents. Everybody kinda, was spritzing, spraying, we had scenting so, and sniffing. Basically the crew collect, collectively. It was like arguments about it. decided that this is the fragrance that we all love. And I'm really proud of it. I have never worn a scent. I didn't know where to put it. Well, you can put it anywhere you want. Put it everywhere. Except your eyes or your mouth or your nose. Does it say don't that on put, there? You put it everywhere except your eyes, your mouth, and your nose. Put it everywhere except an orifice. <laughs> we should have written that on there. There is a note from us on the back that I'm not gonna read because I want you to read it when you buy it. Uh, but it's it's a it's a good amount of uh, fragrance here. It's not so much that you can't put it in your uh, toiletry bag on the flight. Now I had a guy. But it's almost, it's the perfect amount. I had a guy, I had a, a dad come up to me at the uh, Tour of Mythicality and he said, I wanna let you guys know that your beard oil and your lip balm, good stuff. And your pomade, it's really good. Like, like you did. Like, and you know what? A couple of YouTubers decide to make products like this. Yeah, you're like, well, what kind of? You know, they didn't have anything to do with it. But as we've made clear many times, we were in, intimately involved in the development of this stuff, and they use only the best materials for this stuff. I feel the same exact way about this. So it's quality stuff. Smell like us. Yeah, this when is the way we, we smell can... the way we want to smell, not the way we sometimes end up smelling. We can all identify that on the packaging too. Well, this is the thing: if we all start wearing this as a mythical herd, then you'll just be able to notice people just in public. But I smell a mythical beast, and you make a new friend, and that was really the reason that we decided to do this. Plus, it's magic, and it'll make you smarter. Did I say that last part out loud? What, the magic and smarter part? Yeah. No, okay. you didn't. Good. I didn't hear it. All right, you ready to go Mythical down the- Mythical.store. Mythical.store, you ready to go down the rabbit hole? Yeah, do it. I'm gonna touch it, but you pick it up. Uh, this so, is risky, guys. So this is a this is a fan prompt, right? That's, that's where we get these. We get these from the Mythical Beasts themselves, and then we're just gonna follow. Do we it. have a backup if we think this sucks? Okay. Yeah, of course, they know that. They know us well enough. Thank you. Uh, this comes from Joshua. Jacob. Wow, Joshua spells his name differently than the Joshua's that I know. Joshua Tolly, what makes something funny? And why do I laugh harder at some things than others? <laughs> wow, this is, this is pretty interesting. Were you involved in this conversation recently that we were having about this very thing? Well, I know at one, I don't, no, I don't think so recently, but I I did some reading on the subject about nine months ago and I think we talked about that maybe as an episode of GMM, so which means it could have been two years ago. It, it runs together. But are you saying you were talking to someone about what makes something, maybe I was there, I don't, I don't remember though. Uh, what, what was the nature of the conversation? Um, it was me and Mike talking about this, our, 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 our friend uh, Mike, our intellectual friend Mike. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, so I don't know how we got started talking about this, but we were talking I about wasn't there. specifically what makes something funny and he talked about how he had these theories about what makes something funny, but he had once um, brought them up in the presence of Pete Holmes, comedian Pete Holmes is a friend of his, and he was like, Pete Holmes shot everything down. Basically he said, well, this doesn't apply and this doesn't apply. And I think the, the conclusion of that conversation was that there's not one thing that makes something funny, but, no, but but you can I know you can categorize the different things that can make you laugh, like um, the element of surprise or subversion, or you yeah. know, people have scientifically analyzed and categorized these things, but it kind of removes the power of it. I mean, well, we can we on. can get into well, it. Let us let, let, start there because I I want to just I want to tell you what Mike told me because I had a theory, right? And then his theory kind of dovetailed into what I was saying. So okay. I was actually thinking about this in the context of the tour of mythicality and how we've been in this 
group setting where we've been delivering these jokes. And you immediately know if the thing that you thought was funny actually was. And we've noticed right. this thing where different parts of the show are funny based on where we're at in the country, whether or not people are sitting uh, uh, down or standing up. So some venues, everybody's seated, and some venues, everyone's on the floor standing up, and then there's like a balcony. List any variable, and it is it is a it is a viable contributor to whether something is found funny or not. Lighting, temperature, temperature is a big one. Number, you know, if, if people just are general hot, general comfort, too expect, hot, too cold, whatever. expectations. But, um, but one of the things I was thinking about, like I, one of the things that we've we've kind of hung our hat on. Um, just as a comedic device, and we've done this, and you see this in so many of the things that we do, mm -hmm. is that we start in a place that's relatable. Like, so we br we bring you in and get you hooked on something that's relatable, and then we subvert that thing that's relatable, and there's an element of surprise or subversion that then kind of makes you laugh. Um, and you'll see that is a pattern that we follow in a lot of the jokes that we write and a lot of the concepts that we have in like Buddy System, but even Good Mythical Morning. Mm -hmm. So I, I was talking with Mike about this and I said that I feel like there is something in a laugh that is a non-lingual vocalization of me saying, I relate to this and then if I hear you laughing at the same thing, you're like, I relate to this. It kinda goes back to the whole first chapter of the Book of Mythicality. Mm -hmm. Where we kind of we connected in our senses of humor, and it was just like it's a way to say that like I just observed something, and I have a vocalization that I can make that is almost bypasses the 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 language parts of my brain, which I'm going to get back to with Mike's super intellectual analysis of this in a second because this is exactly what he said. Um, that lets you know that I kind of get and understand something and relate to something in a way that moves me to laughter, and then you can also do that. You know, so it's the same, and this is one of the reasons that like, you know like when you get something, you get a joke and you kind of, you, you, you reach over and you kind of nudge. nudge somebody. It, it, laughter is coming from the same part of the brain in my, in my, my estimation. And this is just one kind of laughter. Relational laughter, we'll call that. But Mike, I was talking to Mike about this and he said, well, interestingly, um, there's been some research done, and this is and this is also kind of his theory. Uh, I don't know how much is his theory and how much he's read, but he was just telling me about it. But he's a smart dude, so it could be a lot from him. But he was talking about how before humans could actually use words, so there was some point where we developed the ability to speak, but before that, we just were making vocalizations. So you've got your like caveman grunt sort of situation, like. Hur, 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 hur. <laughs> and so you kind of know like, oh, I'm happy, oh, oh, oh. You you I'm hungry. You observe chimpanzees and they're gonna be making these types of vocalizations. Well, he said there's a situation where, and I wish he was here to explain this, but there's a situation in which you've got somebody who's uh, walking in the night and uh, you're you're walking outside, and then another primate kind of comes up to you, and you surprise each other at the same time. And you instead of you, there's no there's there's no language you, you haven't you're not speaking language, but you want to be Attack able to do something to keep yourself from getting attacked, and to say I'm friendly. And so you surprise somebody and say. <laughs> That is a that is a completely a disarming. disarming thing that immediately you recognize a friend and not a foe. Uh, now I didn't do a good job of explaining that, but I but there's some it's, and again that's where it kind of comes from this relational place. So I think that one aspect of what makes something funny um, is you're basically just saying yes, I have that exact perspective on that thing. I totally get this. I remember, you, you, you remember when we used to watch like Sinbad? When he would, you remember this comedian Sinbad? Well, yeah. Uh, and he would be like doing his like Apollo set or whatever. And I remember he would just tell these stories about his grandma or his mom like punishing him. And as kids who were being disciplined by our parents, I would watch that and I would laugh my butt off because I was also being disciplined by my parents in ways that were very relate relatable to what he was saying. Uh -huh. And so the way I would kind of just recognize that is by just 
laughing my butt off, man. Hmm. So I think that's one aspect of it. That it's just like a, it's a defense mechanism, it's an evolution, that's the evolutionary explanation that it comes from a defense mechanism. Well, that's. Kind of takes some of the joy out of it. Well, well, good luck with doing any, with digging into anything scientifically. I mean, if you dig into yeah. the origins of love scientifically, you're gonna become disenchanted pretty quickly, but that doesn't mean that it's any less meaningful, it just means that there's yeah. a, a natural explanation for it. It is it is very meaningful whenever you can, without saying a word at all, you can express like utter agreement. Like yeah. it's it's so pure because you can't, you can fake it, but it's fake. Like when it's not fake and you're laughing with somebody, like you said, that's that's what solidified our friendship was that we laughed at the same things. It's that moment where, you know, when you're really being, having an honest reaction of joy, you know, it's like, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but what about when you're laughing at something that is wrong? So, what is it? Uh, well, if someone else is also laughing at it, then it's okay. Well, I think is what we're saying. Is it Schadenfreude? No. Is that the is that the word where you're you're laughing at someone else's misfortune? misfortune? So that's a different thing, right? So that. But again, there could, there's definitely some sort of um, deeper explanation that's kind of in our in our genetics. But that could be a situation where me, there's some adaptive advantage to the fact that me and you see some dude do something, and we kind of team up and laugh at him. We're separating ourselves from somebody who screwed up, right? Which seems like a horrible thing. But ultimately, the reason that you have a tendency to do that is because there's some adaptive advantage to sort of teaming up against somebody who is falling, uh, you know, who's fallen in some way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but specifically that whole laughing at somebody's misfortune, I'm, I kind of go back to my, like the, 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 uh, the community college rant that I, that I did on GMM recently. That uh, we got a really interesting, interesting response to that, right? Because the if vast. People, I hope people found it funny. Oh, the vast majority of people were like, "This is so funny! I I loved every minute of it. I'm I'm a community college student. I, I got I got messages through to a, and tweets from a lot of people basically just saying that like I'm in community college and I thought it was hilarious. Now I got other mm -hmm. people who said I'm in community college and I busted my butt and it's and I'm I am offended by what you did and I think you belittled it. And what I was trying to say in the moment was. You're making fun of a stereotype. Yeah. I don't remember what you said, but and I mean it's just and, and nothing that I said when you think when you think about my intention, nothing that I said actually disqualifies uh, or undermines anything that you've accomplished with a community college education. Which I tr which is was a point I was trying to make, but of course I'm just trying to be funny when I'm doing that, so I'm even undermining my explanation in the moment just for the comedy. But what makes that funny? Right? So and do you, and how much has humor changed? Because if I had made that joke twenty years ago, well, I, absolutely I, no one would be offended. Like no one would. But like we no, live it in wasn't a, a joke. I think we it, live in I a think completely it different time. First of all, it was like it was it was a shock joke. It was surprising that you you said something derogatory about community colleges because you don't expect that from us on the show. And then you were probably laughing at my reaction at the same time, which supported the fact that I was also shocked. And then the fact that I was trying to like smooth it over, I hope was found funny because and, it, it and built people are it, laughing at you. It, it supported it supported the initial reaction of shock, and then it was like, yeah, I he's he's squirming. So there's like discomfort. So that's a different type of humor. But they're like, relating to you at that it's moment. It's a relation and then there's, or, or it's just I embody the discomfort. Yeah, so they relate or they just find that well, funny. Well, which is the, the similar dynamic is, again, this is something we go to, we go, we go to this well quite a bit, uh, where you'll be doing something that's just ridiculous. You may be gagging on something, you may say something that is un, 
unintentionally uh, sexual or completely crazy in some way. And my response is That's just to, to kind of look at you like you're a moron or better yet, look directly into the camera like, can you believe this guy? And so, which I I never see that by the way. People, my glasses are built. People laugh at what you do initially, and then they laugh at me because I'm trying to establish a connection with the audience to be like, now I'm now I want you to relate to me in the way that I perceive this guy. Yeah, and we have this advantage with that because it's it's two different. If you don't think what I'm doing is funny then if you act like you don't think it's funny, then they think it's funny that you're acting that way. So we got double the chances of people finding something funny. Even, I, I'm sure there's people who watch the show who just, it's, it goes beyond they got a favorite. So like, I actually don't find what Link does funny. Or what Rhett, like Rhett kinda annoys me because you fill in the blank. I'm sure, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sure people feel that way. And that's, you know, we, we try to take full advantage of that. You know, it's like, um, and I actually it's take foil. I take, and this is what's wrong with me is I, I take joy in knowing <laughs> that there are people who are upset about my community college conversation. I, I think then what's there, wrong with there were other things that became funny because, first of all, there was the surprise of the fact that the ep, the segment derailed. Like I was getting so much. I I loved the fact that like, it was very clear that none of this was planned and that. We sunk or swim based on what happened. And I think that that's another, you know, I don't know if it's as much funny as this is just a, a delight response in, oh, they're, they're off the rails. They're, you know, um, so there's like a delight moment. And then the fact that you, is it a different reason that it's funny that you would backtrack and then you would you'd step in it again on purpose. That became the bit. Like finding that bit was I think funny for a for a different reason. That it was a it was a a hapless thing. I don't know what they call that when it's like it's more of a clown. It's like if you if you if you uh uh bring that down to its essence at that moment where you started stepping in your own poop. It was like a clown. It was a it was it was misfortune, and it was a throwback, which it's just so. It, uh, and a, oh, you mean a runner? Yeah, but I, I mean, I kept throwing back to it, which is a runner. Yeah, but the it's so crazy because. You but know, none of this, the, I think the beauty of all of it is that nobody you can't define needs it. to understand. I, you know, it's it's fun to talk about. It. I'm not making a point that we shouldn't talk about this. I am just saying that the beautiful thing is that. It's so instinctual. I think that's where you you enjoy talking about the evolutionary origins of it. Is that you know it feels like magic that all of a sudden something burps out of you because you re, you're re, you're reacting honestly to something with delight. Like that's a it's just an amazing moment that like you don't like the intricacies that we just you know we just broke down why we thought that was funny and it didn't make it funnier. Well, and we're just. And, also, and that's the beautiful we're, thing. We're just scratching the surface and we could be wrong, you know. Well, I, I mean, but my point is whether we're right or wrong, when you, when you laugh, when you smile, when you like that deep belly laugh that happens that like, if you did one of those a day, you would live 10 years longer. You're adding, you're adding life to, to yourself. You know, you're unless you get hit by a car or f- fall off a cliff or something. Well, but like you're, you know, you're creating longevity with those belly laughs, and it's not something that you can place yourself in a position to do that. But you can't, you can't fake it. It's just a, it's just an, it's just something that happens. I, I told and you, def- and that's why comedy should win Oscars. There should be a category. There's nothing harder than making somebody laugh. Yeah, there is musical or comedy. It is a category. Yeah. Well, hold on. What's the, <laughs> no? There. No, they don't have a best actor in a comedy. Is that what it is? What's the? What's there's an Oscar thing they don't have that recognize comedies. Well, they don't have like funniest actor. They don't have that, but they have best musical or comedy, and they put it together with musical. So they they. Well, they, I'll, I'll put it this way then. I think that 
comedies should be uh, for best picture and they should be legit well, comedies. Well, I do think that, that it's, uh, you know, there, there, there's diff- there, it's difficult to do lots of things. It's hard but, to scare people, but I think it's even harder to make people laugh. Well, let's, okay. A lot of people do it though. The way that we think about, like the energy that goes into making somebody laugh, so. I guess I'm biased because I try to do it. Well, what, well, yeah, of course, but one of the things that we talk about with it, having done the tour is like, you know, um, once we get out on stage and people are responding, we're having a great time. Um, but there are moments, especially on the show, the days that we do two shows, where after the first show, I'm like, I kinda would rather not do this next show. You know, if it was just up to me, I would just go to my hotel room and go to sleep. Uh, and we've talked about how, if I was just a musician, if that was all we did, and it wasn't funny songs, it was just songs, there's mm-hmm. a way to kinda get lost in the music and just kinda just connect with the music and the people are there uh, witnessing that. But when you're trying to make people laugh, it's not about your performance, it's about your connection, right? It's about your connection to the audience. And it takes a certain amount of energy that I personally believe is significantly more than it takes to play music. Now that doesn't mean music, being a musician is easy and also we've said many times, as much as people say, you guys should write serious songs and sing serious songs, we know our limitations as musicians and we think that doing comedic music is a real sweet spot for us. But it is a different it is a different level of energy because it's so relational. It's so much about a connection with a with the recipient of of whatever you're throwing out there. It's just a different it requires something different. Do you feel like it's like a singer-songwriter who wrote a song about that was like very poignant and personal to them? maybe like let's say the death of a loved one, getting on stage and performing that song and just breaking down in tears every time in order to give that particular audience to convey the the depth of the experience of that loss that, they, that they're singing about in the song. Like sometimes I do feel like you, you know, it's, we can say the joke and it'll be funny to get a laugh but there's other times you can say like, well, it's it's weird because I'm on stage a lot, we're both on stage a lot, listening to the other person talk, and I've found that the best, one of the, one of the best things I can do is actually find what you're saying funny. And we haven't talked about this, so I'm curious what you think. There's certain points where we're on opposite sides of the stage, sometimes there's a light up on you and there's not one on me, so I'm in the dark. Um, but when I'm, and I can tell that people are still watching my reaction. And if I can find what you're saying funny as if it's the first time I've heard it and I'm not actually acting, but there's like, that's a hard place to get back to when you've heard a joke 40 times. Sometimes it happens and I, I do believe it helps the audience find it funnier. What are you doing when I'm, when I'm trying to when say I'm something funny? When I'm in the funny? dark? Not, not, not those moments. Well, no. At the beginning of the show, when you're talking and I'm in the dark, I'm looking at one. I'm usually looking at one place and like this with a very slight smile on my face. I don't want to be a distraction, like a statue. Yeah, and I want to be because the original intention of that portion of the show when we wrote it was that the other guy would be completely in the dark. And in some venues, we are completely in the dark. But there's other venues where the lighting is different and it bounces off certain things, and yeah, so you can basically you can, just yeah. see. And there's somebody like three feet from you, and they're like, I can look down there and I can see. They're looking at me, especially the parts where we start talking about each other. Yeah. Now all, all eyes go to me when you talk about me, and vice versa. And at those moments, I still I kind of just pick my smile up a little bit. But <laughs> but you don't look at me. I do not look at you during those portions of the show. But what about when the I do when the lights the are up and we're next to each other. Yeah, I'm just I'm in, I'm engaged with it, and there's a you know I saw somebody tweet. Um, one of the great things about somebody was tweeting about what happened in um, Minneapolis or Chicago. I don't know what show it was. Maybe it was Chicago when your the sweater you took the sweater off. Yeah, and then the sweater became a bit, and I like grabbed you by the sweater and like led you like a horse. Well, let let's say what happened. Okay. Should we, do we need to? Uh, no. I just, it seems frustrating to say, you remember the thing with the sweater, but then you don't tell them what happened with well, the sweater. Well, I, I think. Uh, well, basically, I, I mean, you can make it quick. I forgot, we, we start a song and it's, we're singing along to a track, and I, I sing first, and I totally blanked on the song. Like, I just said. First time the whole tour that's happened. And it was because I, I stopped the song. 
And then before I restarted it, it, I said, well, I totally blanked on the start of the song because I was thinking about whether I should be wearing this sweater while singing this song. You wore like your big Mr. Rogers sweater. And it was Mr. Rogers singing about like an R&B song and I just felt weird about it to the point that I totally blanked on the lyrics. And we discussed this on stage. But you took it all, you stopped the sh- this, this, this song and then. I restarted the And then song. when you restarted the song, like I have this opening thing that I say and I made it about your sweater and then and then at the end of that song, we have this thing where we're like facing each other and whispering to each other on stage and then you've got the sweater and I was pushing the sweater away with my foot and then you were upset with, this is all obviously just for show, but then I picked it up and I grabbed you. I was upset because you were making my sweater dirty. Yeah, and I put it around your neck and like tried to make you bow like I was leading you like a horse. And I saw somebody tweet who was at that show and they said, I don't know, the great thing about this is I just don't know what part was planned and what wasn't. Yeah. So I don't know if the sweater is a part of every show. Well, it's not. And yeah, uh, I'll so, never wear the sweater again because it made me forget the lyrics. But if I and I knew we could never recreate that moment, or I would do the sweater every time. But but what you're kind of not honest talking enough. about is um, there's there are things that are everyone who's there knows that were written. You know, like I know that they're telling a story that they knew about ahead of time. But then there's the oh well, Link just said something in the middle of Rhett's story, or vice versa, and now they're riffing on something. Well, some of those riffs are things that happened on the third show of the tour. And then we were like, oh, what did we say? That was really funny. Let's make that part of the script. And so now there are riffs that are part of the script, but then every night there's new riffs that may replace existing uh, scripted riffs or they may just be added. And so, you know, like heading into this final weekend, four, four shows in a row, and also like it's the end of the tour and it's like we're a little bit looser, we know the material. Mm-hmm. So the ground is very we're, fertile for just ad-libbing and riffing on something. We're, 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 we're living for those moments. But now it's this, there's this, well the first time Link said that thing about so-and-so, I laughed at him and then said this. So it isn't like the next time that I say it, I'm not gonna also laugh at you. But now but, my laugh has become an act. But yeah, you, but, but my it's goal important. is that you, as the audience, are perceiving the laugh as well. He's responding to the for the first time because if I take that laugh out and now I'm giving you half of the reality that happened three shows ago, I want you to get the reality that we created three shows ago, so you'll react the same way the audience did. And it may seem a little less authentic to us, but it feels the same to the audience. Well, the the, the fascinating thing to me is that like a lot of it is well. There's certain points where we're commenting on the photos behind us, and there's like subtle things that, like, the first time you decided to ad lib one more joke about how big your pants were in that picture, I was looking at the audience, and then I had to look back. And then if I just stay there and keep staring at the photo, waiting for you to say the pants joke, it doesn't help. But if I turn back to the audience, and then I'm like, okay, if I really recreate this as an honest moment, if I, you know, if I reenact it, I gotta react at the right moment. It's like, oh, he's got one more thing. He must have just made that up. And because people pick up on the, the most subtle things. And I think that's one of the things I enjoyed about the show, doing the tour the most, is that you realize the psychology of what makes something funny. It's not just the, the words coming out of your mouth. It's every, every single thing. And you can, f- and the cool thing about it is you can fine tune it, right? So we sing a song uh, as part of the tour show that we wrote 15 years ago. And um, I don't even, I I, I don't wanna, for the people who, well well, the tour will be over for the most part. Well, yeah, I don't know when we'll do the show again. I I don't even have to say what the the song is. But. Well, we're trying to make a version that people can watch. So I don't wanna spoil too much. And it's a song we wrote a long time ago and it's really interesting because we actually talked about this in the Q&A at one of these places because there's a difference between, I think one of the reasons that we used a song from 15 years ago is because we wrote that song when we weren't making YouTube videos but we were, if we were doing a funny song it was in front of a, a crowd. Mm-hmm. And so we wrote songs that made sense in like a live setting. But then once YouTube came along and we started writing songs, we were thinking just as much about the visual that was gonna accompany that as we were the lyric. And so now we've got a lot of songs that, sure they may be funny to listen to, 
but they're intended to be very funny when you watch the music video. But if we were to just break those songs out and sing them uh, live, you'd kind of be like, I don't, in fact, the one song that really is is like that, we in the show, we show the music video as we sing it. Right. Whereas the rest of the songs are songs that pretty much exist for an audience to just enjoy. So there, there's just this this dynamic. Well, it's, it's a different type of, Comedy. I mean, it. There, it's a to get a laugh on a stage in a song is different than to get a laugh in a YouTube video when you have the visual component. And we started writing towards that, and I think that's why we. That's why, again, why I enjoy the live show so much is that it's a different. It's a different way to be funny. I mean, it's everything is scripted. I mean, which is in stark contrast to Good Mythical Morning, you know? And so it was energizing for us from a from a comedy standpoint to say, okay, how do you make somebody laugh in person? That's not what we've been doing. I mean, there are points when we just, um, we just couldn't give, we, we didn't wanna do a Good Mythical Morning live. We could certainly do that later and it, yeah, it, you would find it funny and it would be recreating the screen experience in real life but i mean from a from a creative standpoint that wasn't as exciting to us because no. it was it would have been the same thing well, well i mean right now i don't think we'd be happy to 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 go out for this long weekend and do it one more time if we were going to sit behind well, a desk and do the same well, type you, of comedy i mean it's well it kind of goes back to what you just said uh, when you're talking about the uh, the person who sings like a heartfelt song so let's say there's somebody who has this very moving song about somebody dying and they cry when they when they perform it, and then you go to the concert and you see them do this, and you see them cry, and you like, no, well they they can't cry every. This is not this is a performance, right? Seeing somebody cry, even if they're legitimately great at it, and there there's tears flowing and everything, mm -hmm. and they're able to conjure up some kind of emotion. If you saw that every night. That's a much different sensation than seeing somebody laugh and knowing that they probably laugh at this point every single day. Like that's a much easier pill to swallow to see somebody fake humor than fake actual sorrow, right? That's we don't we don't tolerate that as a species. Someone who is um, entertaining us, and I actually knew a guy like this who had this way of speaking when he was getting very serious about something and he started to sound like he, like was, he was crying. crying? Like, but he wasn't crying. He, was this what he would do? Like, yeah, but it was a- I just wanna say one more thing. Yeah, and it, but it wasn't that fake. It wasn't as fake as you're going, but it was this tinge of, I'm very sad right now, but I knew that he was just saying something to me that he had said to other people before. And mm. I had this really negative reaction to it. Well, in yeah. the same way that I don't feel it's one when thing I, to be on a stage. It's another when it's like, okay, this is a mode. But, but you to do that interpersonally. Is but there a are bit there, odd. there are comedians who laugh at themselves. I mean, we we do that quite often. Um, I just did it a little bit right there. But when you when people <laughs> you laughed at yourself when people was that fake? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, this is fake. I mean, <laughs> right now. I mean, that, this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is fake. I can't decide if what I just did was fake. Really? That's how far we've come. <laughs> You're kidding me. I, I had an emotional fake. reaction, yeah. a, po a positive reaction of what you did until it dawned on me it was fake. But my by my knee-jerk reaction was I, f I felt good for one little second and then I felt really bad because I, I determined it was fake. But if you take something like a funny Broadway show, right? So. As far as I know, unless somebody's phone rings, Broadway shows don't have a lot of improv. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's not what you're there for. Mm -hmm. They do the same show every single night, 99% identical, unless they screw up. Comedians feed off the crowd. They do a different thing. Somebody says something, somebody heckles, they get in on that and they dig in on that. They may change things up. But when you've paid to see a Broadway show, you wanna see the Broadway show that you paid to see. Those people are doing, and let's say it's like Book of Mormon or whatever, so it's a funny show. Um, those people are doing the same thing night in, night out, you know, six, seven nights a week. I don't know how many nights a month sometimes for some of these people. And they're trying to capture that performance. I've, I've thought a little bit about what that might be like, having just done like a few shows in a row. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that those people might be able to retreat a little bit into the performance and they know it so well that they may be up there performing. I think you can pick it out though. And they're thinking about, oh, I've gotta pay the bills when I if get If you have home. a decent seat, I think you, you you will experience a difference. Not if somebody's great. Not if somebody's a great performer, I don't think you pick it up. Well, I think all you really mean is that if you're, if they gave the performance of a lifetime, you would be blown away, but just their baseline phoning it in, if they're great, it's still gonna be great, but it's not their greatest. The perception of, I think, I think ultimately what this comes back to is the perception of authenticity is a very important part of humor. Well, I'm also interested, I, I'm certain that, not real. I'm certain there are musicians that are like, oh, it's the same for me, it's the same for us musicians. And I, I'm not gonna, I'm well, not gonna disagree with that. But, 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 I, I watched enough but, of, of of American Idol and the voice coaches about how you got to believe the words. Yeah, in order but for I, that but, to but we've also been in a band though. I mean, it wasn't anything like what we have now. But I, there was a time when for I a believed, couple of years when I believed it. It still a sucked, but b it was horrible. Was, was a better performance. It's like, well, it sucks, but. I can tell he's he believes in what he's what but, he's doing. But the music is the thing that sometimes energizes you, even if because I mean, we obviously we played for the smallest of small crowds. We we would go to some places and there'd be seven people there. That's tough. It's tough, but then what? Where do you find the energy? You find the energy close in, your eye, in I, the music. I close my eyes. You find it in the music. But in I wouldn't just go fish eyed and just be like. But oh, can you do that with comedy? Can you go to a comedy club and have no. seven people? Who aren't laughing at all and get up there? No, it's going to be awkward, and you're going to the air is going to be taken out of your performance. In I mean, the way that you can get lost in the music, you can't do that with comedy. I mean, I'm thinking about Born Standing Up, the Steve Martin uh, book book autobiography. It's autobiography. Yeah, that um, I mean, you mentioned in a Q and A a couple of weeks back. Yeah, one of my favorite books. I I, maybe I want to reread that. I, I recommend that you read that if you haven't, uh, if you're interested in this type of stuff, because that gets inside of his his life, his psyche. Uh, but I, I particularly remember, like, his what was going through his brain when he was on stage, and how you know you got this one joke, and it all comes down to this one moment, and if somebody sneezes at the wrong time in the very back, like the bartender in the very back of the venue. It's such a fragile state. has a little man. sneeze and it's like, it's thrown off and you're like, okay, I gotta let that one go. And it's exhilarating when you're like, your brain is firing, you're so on and then it's like, okay, I want something to go wrong so I can prove that this is not something that this is something that's just popping off the top of my but brain. But you want right it now. to go wrong at the right place because one of the things you're yeah, but but you want it to yeah yeah yeah. I kind of switched tracks there in the middle. You want it to be, it's such a fragile thing to for it to work the way you've well, planned. And you want something and to then go to be wrong. So good at it when you've planned it, and then when it that's a whole other level that you can. But you want something to go wrong because adjust. of because of you in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, sure. Sometimes somebody says something in the crowd, and you make a moment out of it, but. I think that that's one of the that's one of the things that just as a as a performer is is frustrating when there's you know and there'll be we've got these moments in the show where the whole point is that it's there's nothing happening here and sometimes there's like a uh, the lights go out and we're moving to a new position and you know in an ideal world if everybody if the stagehands knew what was going on which incidentally the stagehands for our shows, it's always a new crew. It's the house crew, so they have to be taught what all the beats are, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. But if something kind of screws up and all of a sudden there's seven new seconds in this blackout that you never expected, well, a crowd's natural response at a show like ours is for somebody to yell out something. And depending on what they yell out, is if, if they yell out something and the lights come up less than two seconds after they yell something, the expectation is, well, Rhett and Link are gonna say something about that. Rhett and Link are gonna respond to that. And then there's this choice that we have to make in the moment. Am I gonna respond to the thing the person said or am I gonna say the thing that I know I'm supposed to say right now? But if they say something and the dies back down in like four to six seconds have passed, then the moment's gone and you just say that. It's so it's such a fragile thing. And like you said, if you begin to talk and then they say, like if, if you're beginning to talk as the lights come up and that's when somebody decides to say something, you know, it's part it's it's part of being a comedian and our crowds are generally like super respectful and they're not trying to make the moment about them. Mm -hmm. Um but 
I can only imagine what it would be like to be like a stand-up comedian. I have so much, I mean I have a, I have such a. People who don't know you. Renewed and heightened appreciation for what it what it means to be a good stand-up comic. Having done what we do, I mean that's an aspect of what we're doing. I would not call us stand-up comedians by any stretch of the, the imagination, but we're in that there are we're in that mode a few times, and um, for the for the people that are great at it, it's like well that's I mean that's what I mean, it's as hard as anything that's any occupation that's difficult to do and then nail it. It's it's a uh, yeah, I got a lot of respect for those people well, having done what we've I, done. And you know, uh, this you, you see this a lot, um, where there's somebody who is really funny in a crowd. Um, they tend to say funny things at the right time. They seem to have good timing, and they're kind of the life of the party. And then people are like, "You should be a stand-up comedian." <laughs> and uh, what you'll find more often than not is that someone who's actually a good comedian, a good stand-up comedian, if you meet them in person, you'd be like, what's 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 special about this person? This person doesn't talk a lot. This yeah. person seems- What's eating that person, this I person think is what seems you would to be actually say. thinking a lot right now. This person seems to be super introspective. Why, what, what, that dude is such a downer. Watch out for that person because they're going to be. A, that's where your stand-up comedian is going to be because it's somebody who's observing and internalizing the things. Now it doesn't mean that there's not these life of the party. You know, you throw. I don't know. We, you know, we met Kevin Hart in person, and he was on when the camera was on, and he was on when the camera was off. Mm-hmm. We like rode across town with him, just the three of us in a car, and it was like he. First of all, he was super nice and like all business when we were just talking. And yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't he was, funny. He, he wasn't was, trying to be funny at those times. Yeah, no one laughed. But he can turn it on super easy. But I think that, I'd say the majority of people, you just meet somebody and they just seem like a thoughtful person. It doesn't always, it is, the person who can act, who's great in a crowd and super extroverted and always says the right thing, when you say, hey, go put together a stand-up set, <laughs> it doesn't follow that they're gonna be able to create something from thin air and then take it in front of a crowd. It's just a totally different, it's coming from a totally different place. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wanna do it. I wouldn't want, I, the, we have all these crutches that we can hold on to. We, we go to a place and you know everyone there except for the very few people who've been dragged there by relatives know who we are, like what we do, and know why they think we're funny. So it, we, we've won the battle before we start the show. Oh yeah. Um, and then we're doing things like well, this scripted part here and this song here that's gonna be a crowd pleaser, um, but just to stand up there raw. And I think this is one of the reasons that traditionally stand-up comics don't really respect musical comedians. Like, oh, that guy with the guitar. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's like, a it's, it's a crutch, it's, it's a barrier, it's a wall you stand behind, it's a way to protect yourself from the audience. But you take that guitar down and all you have is a microphone. Now it's you and your mind being exposed to a crowd of people and you have to be able to translate what's in your mind in a way that makes makes them laugh. And as we've already established, there's something scientific going on, but it's very complex. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad we talked about this because it gave me a, a renewed appreciation for uh, the experience we've had on the tour, that you, you sit down and we write out and plan out what we're gonna do on stage in order to get laughs and then now at the end of the tour, we see how much it's changed because we weren't right about everything. Mm-mm. And we fixed, we had to fix it, you know? And I, I still gotta fix that like deceased grandma joke about Christie's grandma. Like, cause- You can't say that I can't on say, Sunday night. I cannot say that one in front of, I mean, it's kind of an anti-joke anyway. It's a joke intended to get a reaction that's not a laugh. Well, it's, it's in order it's to a the, set up, it's a for, set up. The, for the next joke where right. people do laugh, but you can't say it anymore. But now I can't. I can't talk about how her grandma was deceased because her Christie's parents, parents are going to be there. in the audience. So yeah. we're gonna. I'm going to lose that setup. But I still got. They will, they will not so take then, that joke. So then the thing that I have to say afterward, I still got to say. I got to move on. So it's just gonna. I'm going to feel a little defeated inside. But I think it, that's. I can take one for the team. Uh, 
And I, you know, I, I went all all directions with that thing, and I, I never, I, it bothers me that I didn't land on something new. I have, I, I just came up with the joke. I just came up with the joke. I think I'm. Can I pitch it to you right now? Yeah. I think that your new joke should be. What should I say? What the joke is? Uh, I want. I don't want to leave them out of this. Well, yeah. So I tell the story about how I emailed uh, Jesse's grandmother as a conduit to then have her print the email out and then mail it to her. The well, story from the book, if you've read the story book. from the book, and then so then I talk about how that was awkward and whatever, and then Link says, "I say, well, um, when Christy and I first started dating, uh, communication was difficult for us too." because her grandma didn't have an email address. She was deceased. And it still makes me laugh. The whole I love that kind of humor. The whole crowd just is like oh. But a, a few people laugh at her grandma didn't have an email address. Yeah, it's not I wish that was a better joke. So here's my pitch. Let me just throw this try and this then, on the side. And then I say, but that's the setup, which it's is a, yeah, right. because then everyone's like, "Ooh, that that feels really bad." And then I'm like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a talent for making things awkward. And then everybody laughs because A, everybody there knows me and knows that that's true about me. And, and they, B, and I it, just did it. And it, it breaks it breaks the It breaks it. The tension. Um, breaks the tension, which is another way to be funny. Um, but what if you said. And by the way, her grandma was deceased. And by the way, we all do that. We all decease? Yes. Now, and sometimes I've said that to the audience what, and it what, hasn't What helped. about this? What if you say, and I'm not saying that this is comedy gold, but I think it's a step in the right direction, and it's appropriate for her, the crowd when the grandma and when the the your your in laws are there. If you say communication was difficult for me and Christy as well, I didn't know her grandma's email address. <laughs> I'll try it. That's better. The only thing is, having done it so much, I got like a muscle memory. Oh, no, that no, like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna be so fixated on saying that right that I'm gonna screw it up. But so that, I gotta practice in the yeah, shower yeah, a just lot. just practice it. No, uh, you know what, I'll do it, I'll have to do it on, on the, um, the Atlanta shows. Yeah, I, th just, I think yeah, I gotta try it, it out. It isn't like the joke has been so great that oh, and, and you know it what? out ahead of time. And if it fun. works, I can still do the she was, and plus she was deceased. Like if, if I screw that up and don't get a laugh, I can still say the deceased one in Atlanta. And I, I'll, have, I'll have three times to practice it. Yeah, and you can see what kind of laugh you get on the front end. What well, was it? Because, because I didn't know her grandma's didn't email know her address. grandma's email address. Now the question it's is. It's a dry joke, it's like, and it and it is a little awkward. What if you wet it up a little bit? What if you say because, what if I, what, because you say for the life of me, I I didn't know her grandma's email address. That's a you joke, <laughs> not a me joke. My joke would be say that, but then do something weird with my head. <laughs> you know, it's like like that thing I started doing. Well, you do that in a, you do that shortly after that. I, right, I I do yeah I do that. You after can't do that there because then, then when you twice. do the thing with the head, then it becomes annoying. You can only do that like two times a show. You know. So I learned I, I learned that you know. Rhett will pitch me jokes like that and then I'm like, yeah, that would be a great joke for you. But it's like, put oh, a chicken neck in it. I got a better one. Communication was also difficult for me and Christy when we were getting to know each other because I didn't know Gaga's email address. <laughs> so like you wanted, your grandma. you wanted to use my grandma. same grandma because Gaga refused to send my, because Gaga refused to print my emails out from this is getting better. See, we're getting better. Yeah. You say, you're finally deciding to help. Communication with me and Christy was difficult in the early stages of our relationship too because Gaga refused to send my emails to Christy to print out my emails for Christy. That's it, that's the joke. I guarantee you that'll get laughs. Now why is that funny? I don't know. Because I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> why was that funny? Uh, because it was not true. <laughs> and why was that funny? Uh, because, because it was, it was true. true. <laughs> <laughs> now we're relating. Wow. Wow, wow. this is humor. We're friends. Oh, this is beautiful. I'm glad you were here for this, guys. I think, uh, Joshua, we have not really answered your question, but it was an inspiring start to. Um, a fun conversation, which allowed us to thank you. You allowed us to appreciate what we what, what we've we been do. through. <laughs> what we, you allowed us <laughs> to, to appreciate, appreciate ourselves. ourselves. No, and any time we can do that, <laughs> that's we not feel what I better. Meant. You know, that's not what I was trying to say. <laughs> I, I think at a moment when we're utterly exhausted, I and I want to be done with the tour. I now feel motivated to do it. These last four shows, four more man, times, and to do it be the awesome. best ever. And the high point is going to be that joke that I just came up for you. 
came up with for you. Uh, uh, you're gonna need to write it down. <laughs> you know what? Can you get Gaga to write it down? She'll be there on Sunday. Will you write it down and mail it to? She can mail it to me. See, it's not working that great. Okay. All right, guys, um, I know we're at the end of this thing, but uh, and we meant to say this at the top, but we are taking a break um, for the next few weeks from recording an Ear Biscuit. Uh, the next Ear Biscuit will be delivered fresh to you on January 15th. Yeah. In the new year, uh, we'll, have, we'll have lots to catch up on and uh, we, will, we, will, we will fold you in like, like, like the biscuit batter in the bowl. You uh -oh. just fold it and fold it and then we'll bake it, and January 15th, that thing will come out. So sit tight, we got lots of old ear biscuits so you can listen back through. They don't, they don't get stale. They, they don't do get not stale. get stale. They're canned. Some of them have a cheese surprise in the middle. Really? I didn't tell you. Okay. I've been putting cheese surprises in the middle. Listen to every one and see which one has cheese in it. <laughs>